are on fire after a 6-1 win over Ajax in the Champions League. They sit top of Serie A and they've proved the doubters wrong. This is the Serie A edition of the One Football Podcast. I'm Chloe Beresford and I'm joined today by Serie A writer Adam Digby. Hi Chloe, hi everyone. So we're going to do a bit of a deep dive on Napoli after that emphatic 6-1 win in the Champions League over, let's face it, a team who really do have a strong pedigree in the competition, don't they? They do, and it, it's continuing Napoli's great form both domestically and in Europe, isn't it? They've got that away win against Ajax, they've got a big away win against Rangers, and obviously in the first game they beat um, Liverpool in Naples as well, so they're absolutely flying in both competitions. Yeah, and it makes 13 goals in three Champions League games. And they've also scored 18 goals in eight Serie A games. And that makes them joint top with Atalanta on 20 points. And that win against Ajax, just to put it a little bit into context, if you look at how they beat Ajax and Rangers, that's a combined 9-1 away score and now they get to play both of those sides at home and they look pretty much certain to make it through to the group stages um i noticed that ajax made a nice graphic before the game um i guess some of you may have seen it um with maradona and Johan Cruyff watching the match on TV together in heaven. Um, And after the game, Luciano Spalletti, the Napoli boss, said that even Maradona would have been proud of this performance. And they were actually amazing to watch, weren't they? It It was a great show. Yeah, they have been all season. I mean, people throw around superlatives far, far too easily, don't they? But Napoli literally were irrepressible last night and that's continued the fine form that they've shown all season but to to go to Ajax to the Amsterdam Arena and do that to Ajax is just incredible isn't it and uh, the the graphic of Maradona and Cruyff watching the game on television Maradona might have enjoyed it but I don't think Johan Cruyff <laughs> would have taken too much from that no no surely not um, uh, Corriere dello Sport called that Napoli side divine and Gazetta said it was another great show from Napoli and it came after almost everyone had doubts about Napoli um, including me I said it on this very podcast that after the summer when the three really key players of the Napoli side in the past few years, Indries Mertens, Lorenzo Insigne and Kalidou Koulibaly, um, all left. Fabian Ruiz left. He was another key player in the last couple of seasons. Um, they'd had this like big, big clear out and it was a bit of a worry that they'd lost the, their identity, um, that they'd really stripped it back kind of too far. And then they brought in an unknown winger from Georgia and a South Korean defender. And it did seem, didn't it, like, oh, what, like, how are they going to manage? It just seemed like not even one huge backward step, but several all at once. You know, we've seen clubs have clear outs here and there. We've seen Atalanta do it. We've seen Juve do it. Um, we've seen Inter do it in the past where all the players who've given them anything all leave at once. I mean, with Napoli, it was over two or three seasons, but this summer certainly saw a real line drawn under the end of that Maurizio Sarri era team, didn't it? I mean, there's one or two players left over. 
Zelinsky and Mario Rui, people like that, but nobody who was a, a major force under Sarri is still at the club. And it just felt like, okay, they, they'll go back to being mediocre, someone else will step up, and in a few years' time we might see a new Napoli emerge. But they hit the ground running right from the start of this season. And it's taken everybody by surprise. You, me, probably even most Napoli fans as well, because there was just nothing to indicate that that those players could do anything close to what we've seen so far from Napoli. Yeah, I mean, the mood was was pretty low in Naples itself. Like, I think if anybody said that they expected this, I would question whether they were telling porky pies, to be honest, because even in Naples, like you say, the fans, they were, um, you know, as they do, having a bit of a protest about all these players that had been sold and, and the names that they came in that they couldn't recognise and... Or pronounced. Well, yeah, I was going to say in Kavarat Scalia, there you go. Um, in his case, it was names that they couldn't even pronounce. And uh, it it was it just seemed a load of doom and gloom. And, and then, you know, boom, they just sprung into life. Yeah, I mean, you say that anyone who, who said it, you would say that they're lying. But I'm pretty sure Aurelio De Laurentiis would have said it. <laughs> And, and you would just think yeah, that he's but, being his usual crazy self. Yeah, but even even he must have, you would think, even he must have wondered if it was going to work. I mean, you know, okay, Lorenzo, Insigne and Dries Mertens, they'd probably lost their pace, they'd probably gone past their best. But Kalidou Koulibaly, that, I mean, he's been the rock, he's been the heart of their defence, he's been... You know, he's really kind of bonded with Naples, the city. He's become the symbol of that team. And to lose him, it just seemed like... Well, over over the last three or four seasons, I don't think you can argue with the fact that Kaladu Koulibaly has been Serie A's best defender. And you can say that really quickly, he's Serie A's best defender, but you're saying that this guy is the best defender in the league that has the best defenders and has the best coaches for coaching defenders and has a tendency to champion and promote and play systems that get the very, very best from defenders. And Koulibaly has been the very, very best of the very, very best of those. And this old minute doesn't matter. Yeah. And yeah, what, what a shock. I mean, we'll, we'll come on to his replacement in a little bit, but... Um, we've also talked on this show a little bit about Luciano Spalletti's tendency for fast starts and, and then dropping off. But for this episode, I just want us to focus on Napoli as they are right now. Just assess where they are. We don't know if if this is going to continue. Um, Napoli will certainly hope and think that it will. But um, right now... You've got to say they're one of Europe's most informed sides. If not the most informed side. I mean, they, they beat Liverpool, they've destroyed Ajax, they've beat Rangers, and they're top of Serie A. Man that, City. Yeah, yeah, but that's you, that's the company you're talking about. You know, you're talking about a team who have were one of the best teams in the world and then they signed the best striker in the world compared to a team who sold all the players who you knew and signed a load of guys whose names you can't pronounce. You know, it's... It's that level that they are at. And I just wanted to go back to what you mentioned before about um, Luciano Spalletti always having a good start and then tailing off. I think this is where we have to be really careful as people who cover football, fans who watch football, whatever, because we're all too quick to rewrite what happened before 
Like, so, so Napoli lose their next six games. Oh, it was fake. It didn't matter. No, they won those matches and they did it by playing the best football in Europe and they deserve immense credit for that. If they have a mental collapse and it all goes to pieces, that's after what's already gone is done and what happens from now doesn't change how good they are up until today when we're recording this podcast or however long that may carry on. I think sometimes people get a little bit too caught up in in the narrative and oh yeah they started really well but then it fell to pieces so it wasn't real it's like no it, it's real mm-hmm. they literally went to Ajax and, and, and destroyed that team certainly in the Champions League it's real I mean you know Serie A because there are some weaker sides in there it can throw up like these sort of anomalies can't it and depending on the the run of fixtures that you have it can falsely elevate you I mean Napoli have played some um, fairly weak team so far but in the Champions League you can't fake it you can't you can't fake anything can you no you you definitely can't fake it but they've already beaten Lazio away they've beaten Milan away in Serie A as well so even in Serie A they're beating the better teams I mean Lazio under Maurizio Sarri have been fantastic this season he's getting the very best out of them Milan are right up there contending to defend their title once again they have got a much tougher run of games coming up. They play Roma away, which is always a huge um, clash for, for Napoli and for Roma. And it's a real derby, isn't it, in the south? Um, they play Atalanta, they play Inter and they play Juve all before the middle of January. So we'll know a lot more about how real this is in that regard. But they've still got results against very good teams in Syria as well as those fantastic European results. Yeah, Um and a lot of credit needs to go down to their sporting director for these plucking these signings seemingly out of nowhere. That's Cristiano Giuntoli. Um And he's actually been linked with a move to Juventus this week. Um, I think largely because of the amazing job he's done this summer. Um, but for those of you who don't know, the Napoli owner Aurelio De Laurentiis, um, whilst he's kind of famous for making crazy statements in the media... He's not um he's not by any means in the category of the super rich owners um that we see in football at the moment. He um he has built the Napoli side we see today largely on selling their best players for big fees and reinvesting the money wisely. I mean, how does he keep doing that? Well, De Laurentiis insists that Napoli run as a business by themselves, he doesn't inject money into them. He is the, the sole owner of the club, but he, he refuses to invest his own money, which is made in the film industry, into it and the, and cinema. He wants them to be self-sufficient, and that's how they run. So they've, they sold Cavani and Lavezzi, for example, to PSG, and that allowed them to buy Callahan and Higuain. And then they sold Higuain, and that allowed them to buy more players and now they've sold Koulibaly and that's funded the team that we see this season so yeah it is done on real profit and loss among the club and you have to look at Giuntoli and the the job that he's done and what he's done this summer really is turn the profits that he's made on those players into a squad that fits the way that Luciano Spalletti wants to play rather than Spalletti taking Sarri's squad and, and kind of hammering it out to fit his own needs um, and, and we're reaping the benefits of that as, as you watch Napoli now. I mean, just look at some of the statistics so far this season. 
they've scored nine and conceded only two goals at home. But that lends itself to what you were saying about their easy run. The home games so far have been Monza, Spezia and Torino. And then they drew with Lecce. So, so hardly difficult. But then they've gone and got those fantastic away, away results that I mentioned earlier. Um, they lead Serie A in goals scored, shots on target and pass accuracy. They also lead in shots per game with 18.8. The second highest is Moan with 17.4. So almost a shot and a half a game more than any other team. And then the same with, with chances created. They're first with 15.8 per game. And Milan are second with 13.8. So they're creating two more chances a game than any other team in Serie A. Mm -hmm. And the goals are flowing from that. They're the leading scorers, as you said before. We've seen that in, in the Champions League, they're scoring freely as well. And Spalletti is just completely giving them the freedom to, to run riot and, and just demolish teams from the outset. Yeah, for sure. So if we break down the team, um, starting at the front, because they have been so prolific, with Giacomo Raspadori, now... Both papers, Gazetta dello Sport and Corriere dello Sport, gave Raspadori a 9 out of 10 in that win over Ajax. Um, he signed for Napoli from Sassuolo this summer. He's still only 22. He scored for Italy in the international break. He scored the only goal in a 1-0 win over England. And a, a, he also scored in a 2-0 win over Hungary. Um, last season, he scored 10 goals and had five assists for Sassuolo. And that's considering that he had to share the forward line with Domenico Berardi and Gianluca Scamacca at the time. So we've what we've got here is uh, a young Italian forward who's at the top of his game and thriving in this Napoli attack. He seems to have made the step up with complete ease, really. Yeah, I mean, he's got three goals and one assist in 77 minutes in the Champions League so far this season. It's pretty good considering he's not played in the Champions League before. Yeah, um, so he's made the step up there really easily. He's got he's only got one goal in Serie A, which is, it, that is something we'll come on to talk about with some other players, where the goals have come from. But the fact that this in-form, really dynamic striker has only got one Serie A goal when they're the leading scorers in, in Serie A really tells you the story of the rest of the team. But yeah, Raspadori's stepped up like the jump is nothing. And, and we've seen attacking players thrive under Luciano Spalletti before. And, and Raspadori continues that tradition. He's just doing everything for them up front. And a lot of the time it's holding the ball up, bringing other players into play. But yeah, he's, he's been devastating for them so far. Yeah, and for his country as well. Now, moving on um, to Kavica Kvaratskhelia. Um, he signed from pretty much the most random place you can imagine, Dynamo Batumi in the summer. Everyone's going, who the hell is this? He's 21 years old. He's made 19 senior appearances for Georgia. And maybe there was a little hint in the, in the fact that he scored 10 goals in that time. Um, they only paid between 10 and 12 million euros um, for him. That was the reported fee. And he's got five goals and two assists in Serie A and one goal and two assists in the Champions League. And what we've seen so far is that he's just an incredibly skillful player. He was dancing past the Ajax players like 
it was nothing that it was a, a breeze and it was easy and it's it's hard to say enough about the start that he's made to life in Italy isn't it yeah he's been fantastic I'm not even going to attempt to to say his name again I'm just <laughs> going to say he um Napoli have, have mostly played uh, 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 so far this season and he's playing on the left but not really of that very much diving into the box and 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 joining Raspadori at the at the front of the attack and and really benefiting from Raspadori and other players bringing him into play and i think the fact that nobody had any idea who he was has allowed him to um be a complete unknown quantity for not just us sat at home wondering how the hell you say his name but but people who are having to actually defend him on the pitch as well they ju- they just don't know what to expect i think He's one player who will be very interesting to see how he fares as the season goes on. Now that there's lots of footage of him playing for Napoli and teams are actually having to pay attention because of how good he's been. But so far, he's just been fantastic, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he really contributes in both phases of the game, attacking and defending for, for Napoli down that left-hand side. He's much more um, dynamic and energetic than last season's Lorenzo Insigne which is not the the Lorenzo Insigne that we remember speeding down the wing cutting in on his right foot he he was he definitely lost a little bit Mm -hmm. um, and was playing a much more um, Papu Gomez at Atalanta style role he was kind of just floating in and out of games and that that isn't the way that Spalletti wants to play and this is the first player we've we've discussed so far that really leans into what I was saying before about signing players who really suit what Spalletti wants to do because he wants to hit teams really quick on the counter. We've seen that throughout his career, most notably at Roma the first time around when he played Totti as a striker and and played five midfielders and then four defenders and just got everybody bombing forward. And and that's very much the way that they're playing this season. And and he's one of those players who's bombing forward to get into the box and and cause as much damage as possible and he's certainly done that so far yeah and after we've talked about those two players we've then got um Matteo Politano and Giovanni Simeone also doing a good job um Simeone came on and scored again versus Ajax after um getting his first Champions League goal and kissing his tattoo because it was his lifelong ambition and They've still got Victor Ossiman still to come back from injury. It's just like almost like an embarrassment of riches there up front, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you would imagine that somebody out of Raspadori and Ossiman and uh, Simeone is going to miss out once that goes back because he's going to play that same that same style and with only one striker and allowing the others to come join him. Maybe there's a sale to be had there once Ossiman is fit and. And that once again leads into Giuntoli making a profit because the guys come in, shone under Spalletti, sell him on and make some money, whether that's Raspadori or it's Simeone or or indeed Ossiman when he comes back. You know, mm. they, they've, they've already got the next chip to cash in, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd think the fact that uh, Simeone and Raspadori only joined in the summer, they're not, they're not going to ship them out straight away, I wouldn't have thought. So... Yeah, we'll see. But at the moment, that really is an attack that's thriving. Like you said, under the absolute freedom that Spalletti gives them just to go and, you know, all out attack, basically. Yeah, and, and again, Simeone is a, a bit of a, 
a lumbering target man, isn't he? You know, he he does the hard work up front, and he's only got one Serie A goal as well. And and it really is that hold it up, wait for someone to come and help you, or head it on, flick it on, and and the faster midfield players bomb on, and and the strikers left trailing the attack almost. Yeah, well, moving on to the midfield, it, it's actually a pretty much perfect blend. Um, you've got Stanislav Lobotka, who was again rated really highly by the papers for his um, performance against Ajax. And he uh, allows Anguissa, who we'll come on to next, to do the creative work because he's winning the ball back. He's making the accurate passes. Um, looking at his stats, he makes around three tackles and makes two interceptions per game. That's in Serie A. And he makes over 95% of his passes. Now, that to me is the traditional kind of Gennaro Gattuso role of win the ball back and give it to the attack, more attacking guy, right? Give it to somebody else who can play football. Yeah, it, it really is. It's almost like a, not to do him a disservice, but with, with 95% completion of his passes there, it's very much like Jordan Henderson at Liverpool, isn't it? Short passes. Win it back, and... give it to somebody yeah. else, keep your position. Just don't everybody... give the ball away. Yeah, don't give the ball away and don't let the other team have it either. You know, it, He's running around, winning the ball, knocking it on. And, and yeah, he's he's really a, an unsung part of this team that helps it to function. And, and that's something we've always seen with Spalletti, with that holding two in midfield, or sometimes he goes for a three, depending on who, how the opposition are set up. But, yeah, he's he's just getting that quiet, unfussy job done. And, and again, just like the strikers, as we said, allowing the, the other midfielders, the three behind the one, and then... Um, Anguissa as well to to just bomb on and and play the way that Spalletti wants them to. Yeah, it's like it's like a well functioning machine at the moment. Um, to give him his full name, Andre Frank Zambo Anguissa um, is on absolute fire at the moment. Um, he signed actually from Fulham. Um, he played on loan at Napoli last season, but didn't quite have the same effect um it seems like this season Spalletti has really unlocked his potential um he has two goals and two assists in Serie A which um Spalletti joked that um now he's sort of found the goal there's no stopping him now because he had all these good performances and not that many goals um he's got one goal and three assists in the Champions League He's averaging about 56 passes per game in Serie A with a 89% completion rate. His more sort of forward energy is uh, takes that down a little bit from Lobotka's amazing 95% um, because he's kind of attempting more ambitious passes. But he's full of energy, forward runs. He's lo- looks like somebody's like wound him up and like clockwork and let him go because he's just so dynamic. Yeah, I mean, he averaged... 48 passes and just short of 90% completion last season. And then that's gone up to almost 52 passes, but down to 88 and a half this season. He got three goals in three assists and no goals in 25 appearances last season. Yeah. And he's got two goals and two assists already through eight games this season. So, yeah, like you say, a lot of it from watching him last season, watching him this season... He's not doing that much different, but the team around him is clicking so much better that he's knocking it forward and then he's able to go join the attack. And because they're holding it up better, the players up front are playing that style more, 
more freely, they're more bought into it. You haven't got Insigne slowing it down on the left and looking to cut in. Everyone's just playing first time and, and going as quick as they can. And he's benefiting from that because he's able to get forward and join them. It's not so slow and the defenders have all got back. He can just bomb on and and, and really cause havoc. And that, as you say, has unlocked him and, and taken his game to another level without him really doing much different than he was before. Mm, yeah. And then we've got another midfielder, sort of a, a more attacking midfielder, really. Sometimes he, he comes in to join the attack. But for me, is one of the most underrated players um, in in Europe. And that's Peter Zielinski. He is the last key player remaining from Sari's team. Um, another superb performance from him versus Ajax. I think the news today, unfortunately, is he's picked up a knock in that game. But he's created more chances than any other player in the Champions League this season. And yet he's not discussed. He's not discussed. Like when you watch Champions League coverage or whatever, he's not a player that's talked about at all. Um, he's got one goal and four assists in Serie A, three goals and one assist in the Champions League. And he really is and kind of always has been a star player for Napoli. He reminds me of... Um... He's Sergei Milinkovic-Savic without the flash. He doesn't have any of the incredible first touch or any of the dancing past defenders moments that Milinkovic-Savic has. But he sort of gets the same number of goals and assists and chances created as Milinkovic-Savic. He's good in the air like Milinkovic-Savic. But because it doesn't look pretty, he doesn't seem to get the credit for it. It's, it's just, just kind of like super it, effective. It really is. He's, he's a very... Bundesliga-y German midfielder. I know he's Polish, but do you know what I mean? He, he's so unfussy and uncomplicated. He just does the simple thing right every single time. And I know he's a player that you've written about at length in the past when Napoli's other players were taking the spotlight. And it's the same this season, isn't it, with the names we've already mentioned and, and, and Owen Ossiemans to come back. And nobody ever seems to get as far down the list as, as Zelinski. But He's always there and he's always effective and he's he's getting the returns, isn't he? He's got four goals and five assists in all competitions so far this season. He's getting the job done, but as you say, because it's so dour almost, he's, he's getting those goals and assists without doing anything impressive. There's not an amazing goal or a brilliant through ball. It's all just the right pass. Oh, he should have taken that shot. He should score from there. Yeah, but he did and mm. he does it every time. Yeah. And you 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 have to think that he's a player where somebody somewhere, some really smart sporting director at one of the bigger clubs is going to go, do you know what? He could do a job for us and he'll get that move, whether it's a, a big Bundesliga team or a, a Premier League club. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh yeah, Zelinski is really, really good. I've always rated him. And it's like, you liars. <laughs> you yeah, yeah, you, you weren't talking about him before, were the, you? <laughs> the only person I've ever heard talk about him in, in any sort of way, in any sort of depth is you. I have to say that I hold my hands up. I'm just as guilty of it as anybody else. But yeah, he, he doesn't really do anything brilliantly. He's almost like a, a six and a half out of ten at everything. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, probably maybe Except so. decision-making, which is a ten. He, yeah. he just does the right thing all the time. Yeah. And then moving on to the defence, um, which maybe is the less glamorous part of, of Napoli, but just as effective to be honest um and the man who seemingly had the impossible task of replacing Kalidou Koulibaly um Kim Min Jae 
he has been a revelation. Um, he started his career in his native South Korea. Um, he moved to the Chinese Super League and then he earned a move to Fenerbahce, which is where Napoli have picked him up from. They've paid about 18 million euros, so it's reported. Um, and he's been, like I say, an absolute rock. He's made 100% of his tackles and 100% of his aerial duels versus Ajax. And he made the most interceptions of any player on either side. And there's already talk of him being linked with Man United, you know, bigger clubs, because of the impact a guy, again, that nobody had really heard of has made in this Napoli side. Um, he's making the most clearances of any player in Serie A this season. He's averaging five point six clearances a game and he finds a teammate with 88% of his passes so another player that you can just look at the stats and just see how effective they are yeah and and he along with um go on I'll give it a go Kravat Scalia <laughs> was one of the players who everyone was concerned about in the summer because they paid 12 million for the forward and 18 million for the defender that nobody had ever heard of that's a lot of money when you're a, a, a Napoli where you have to make ends meet and have to turn a profit every year. And to spend that on on two unknown players from Fenerbahce and what was the other one? Dynamo Button Moon? <laughs> you know, it, it, it really did make people wonder what the hell they were doing. Yeah. And, and then when you look at uh, Kim Min-jae and the way that he's playing as well, it's like, well, obviously you pay 18 million for that. It, it's That looks like a bargain all of a sudden. It's like a sixth of a Harry Maguire. And, <laughs> and he's, he's a brilliant defender. You know, again, you have to couch it with who they've played against and all those things. But to to come, to be Korean, to come from Turkey, to go to Italy and settle in in Syria with Syria's defenders, with the forwards in Syria, despite who they may have played... You know that tactically opposition teams have, have looked at you, they know how you're going to play, they know what you're going to try and stop them from doing and, and they tailor their game plans for who they're playing against. And he's just slotted right in and he's been, as you read out those numbers there, almost flawless or in the, the Ajax game, literally flawless <laughs> with 100% aerial duels and 100% tackles. He, he You never beat him. In, in that game, if you're Ajax, it's it's incredible. But he's been like that all season, and it, it really does. Again, you, every single play we talk about, you have to come back to Juntoli and say, "What an amazing job!" Yeah, absolutely. And just one thing that has popped into my head thinking about um, the defense was that Ajax actually scored first. When you hear six-one, you think, "Oh, they had a consolation goal somewhere." Mm -hmm. Ajax took the lead at home, and Napoli then just blew them away with six goals. Like that's pretty mad, really. The heads could have dropped after that. It is, and it could, and and yeah, the heads could have dropped. But I think you, it, it goes back to what Jurgen Klopp was saying this week, doesn't it? When you play a more adventurous style. It's laughable to think you're going to keep a clean sheet, to think that you're going to hold the opposition out. So I think a lot of these coaches today who play that way, obviously Klopp doesn't play anything like Spalletti, but with the, the attacking intent and we're going to get forward, we're going to score goals, we're going to win this match because we'll score more goals. Yeah, just like on the front foot, basically. Yeah, and, and it almost puts in the players' minds, you will concede there's a high likelihood that we will let a goal in. 
and that's so as a Juve fan as somebody who covers Juve that's so different to the way that a, a, a Max Allegri team operates that when you concede a goal it's the end of the world because well we're only trying to win 1-0 or we want to keep a clean sheet and then go down the other end and grab a goal with Vlaovic Napoli like Liverpool okay we've conceded so it was going to happen let's keep going let's do what we do it's 6-1 yeah. It's 3-0, it's 3-1, it, it, it doesn't matter, you know, and, and that that different mindset, that belief that, well, we knew they'd score, it just was a matter of when, now we have to definitely go and score goals ourselves. Yeah, that's out of the way, let's... It, it almost pushes them to attack even better because now you have to go and score mm-hmm. more than one goal because you're 1-0 down, and boy, did they do that last night. They absolutely did. Um, the last player I just want to touch on is, again, another player that's probably not really mentioned very much, and that's Giovanni Di Lorenzo. Um, he's a, a fullback for Napoli, and yeah, really underrated, but again, was immense against Ajax. He did a Cristiano Ronaldo-style leap to score from a header, um, and he was also a really key part of Italy's success at Euro 2020. He was kind of... Um, not played an awful lot for Italy, but drafted him by Mancini to, to be part of that team. Um, and now he's finding himself a really key player for Spalletti too. Yeah, um, he's, he's definitely one of those players who's bloomed late. He's 29 already. Um, he was obviously at Empoli before Napoli. He's been at Napoli a few seasons now. And he's been a key player throughout all of that, really. He, he came as the replacement for Hesai. As the as the right back, and he's really shone in that role. He can he can be a an all out attacking fullback if you need him to. He can sit in and defend if you need him to, as as Mancini's asked him to on a number of occasions. He can play as a wing back in a, if you play a back three. He can play as a fullback if you play a back four. He he gets in the box and and scores as well. His crossing is good. Um, his passing is good. His interplay with the midfielder ahead of him is always. Always really smart. I think we saw that at the Euros and we've seen that throughout his time at Napoli as well. And he just does a, a really, really good job. I think I'd, I'd compare him quite a lot to Danilo at Juve. You know, he could almost play in midfield. He's that comfortable on the ball. Mm-hmm. He's not He's not a speedy fullback, but he's he can get forward and he's effective. Um, I really like him. I, I think he's a, a, a really underrated player again, like most of this Napoli team seem to be. But yeah, I think he's a player who who deserves a bit of attention and, and deserves all the success he's having because he's worked very, very hard to to, to become the player that he is and to be a, a crucial player in the starting lineup for, for Napoli. And that's earned him the right to do the same for Italy as well. Definitely so. Um, and I think that probably brings us to the end of waxing lyrical about Napoli's squad and about how, how good they are. And maybe one final thought that Spalletti... As we say, we, he does have this like really fast start kind of pattern uh, and then maybe a drop-off. But maybe the break for the World Cup will, will kind of break that cycle for him. You know, um, it, it, the World Cup's going to make everything more different, more interesting perhaps um, in terms of league football. Um, but yeah, it could work in Spalletti's advantage, couldn't it? It could. I mean, this time last year, we we would have been saying the same about Stefano Pioli because he was exactly the same. Once the, his team started a slide, he could never arrest it. And Milan had some bad results and he figured out a way to get his way through that. And I think perhaps as, as much as we don't want to take 
positives from it or using the word positive in the same sentence as a the the covid pandemic is probably a, a, a negative connotation but i think getting that spell of two and a half seasons where we were stopping and starting all the time coaches know how to do that now so i think this we've seen that the recent international break came napoli carried on just the same way as they were before so did a lot of other teams it, it hasn't had the impact that maybe it did in the past where teams had come back slowly from those breaks um Spalletti again has got that experience of having the, the stops because of the pandemic now he's going to have a stop for the World Cup and yes he makes fast starts so maybe he makes another one in January when they start again you know and I think it, it, if he can keep them rolling until that break that would be fantastic because then they can just start again and and, and make another fast Spalletti start yeah, exactly. and, and, and yeah maybe this is the year that like Pioli before him he, he finds a way to, to combat his usual MO. Yeah, for sure. Okay, finish you by putting you on the spot with our usual little bit of trivia at the end. Um, I think it would be remiss of us on a Napoli-themed episode, not to mention Gonzalo Higuain, after he announced this week that he would be retiring at the end of the MLS season. He's currently at Inter Miami. Um so we always do a preferred player and I think I already know the answer to this but I'm going to ask you who you prefer between Gonzalo Higuain and Dries Mertens oh Higuain all <laughs> day I think I, I, I already know that and, and, and not because he came to Juve and had two very good seasons there um, but just the way that he played Mertens was always to me a little bit um, of a Obviously, Higuain did too, but Mertens, the when Mertens' career exploded, it was very much a byproduct of that Maurizio Sarri style being at its very apex when he took over as the number nine. Um, and he's not a typical number nine, but that's the way he was asked to play. There was nothing false about Dries Mertens playing as a number nine. Higuain's a proper number nine, you know, and I, I just I always were going to choose that that kind of player over a winger who was pressed into that position. Um, I don't think Dries Mertens was a particularly good winger. And if we're talking about strikers, I think there's not really any doubt that Higuain is a better striker than Dries Mertens. And I, I, I much prefer the playing style and his whole attitude and, and, and everything to do with the way that Higuain played. So, yeah, that was easy. Yeah, I think for me, Higuain as well. Um, but only when he was, like, on it. If you look at his spells at... Milan or when he went back to Maurizio Sarri at Chelsea like he, he, very frustrating to watch and I think you know he's spoken about he's he's kind of had like more mental struggles I think yeah he had a, a really good spell with uh, Real Madrid obviously but I think his his last couple of seasons at Napoli and then his first two seasons at Juve that peak of his he career was, was brilliant phenomenal. to watch, wasn't it? Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, obviously, with him retiring this week, Juve fans have been sharing the the late late goal against Inter and the, <laughs> that, the very angry celebration of that. As I'm well. sure they've and, been enjoying that. Yeah, and I I have to say one of my favourites was in the Champions League against Monaco when he scored away at Monaco and jumped over the hoardings and was was celebrating in front of the Juve ultras in behind that goal. I think that was a a brilliant team goal and a, a great celebration as well. So. 
yeah, it's been a, a good week for Iguain memories. Yeah. Um, and the trivia is also Iguain stroke Napoli themed. Um, he had that record breaking season, 36 goals and th- in 35 games in 2015-16. Would you say he's over or under 100 goals for Napoli in total? Oh, it's going to be really close either side, isn't it, as well? I'm going to say over just like 102 or something. Wrong, I'm afraid. Oh. It is under, um, but it is 91 in three yeah. seasons, which is an incredible record when you think about it. Yeah, it, it really, really is. And because of that 36 goals in 35 games, I thought it's got to be close. Yeah, yeah. And you know it's going to be close. It is but yeah, close. In three seasons, it, it makes sense. I thought it was actually there a little bit longer than that. That's why I went over, but... Yeah, if, if I knew it was three seasons, probably would have said under. I just bad guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but a close one. Um, so that brings us to the end of this week's show. Um, please don't forget that if you are in the UK and Ireland, One Football has Serie A highlights on the app, and there is one live game shown every Saturday evening for free. That's it for today. And- Thank you.